Chapter Eight, Part Two of the Boy Scout Aviators by George Durston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kangaroo. A Friend in Need, Part Two. He struggled to his feet, and there was a moment of exquisite pain as the blood rushed through his ankle and circulation was restored to his numbed foot. But he was able to stand, and although limpingly, to walk. He had been fortunate, as a matter of fact, and that no bone had been crushed. That might well have happened with such a trap, or a ligament or tendon might have been wrenched or torn, in which case he would have found it just impossible to move at all. As it was, however, he was able to get along, though he suffered considerable pain every time he put his foot to the ground. It was no time, however, in which to think of discomforts so comparatively trifling as that. When he was outside, he would be able, with the other scout's aid, to give his foot some attention, using the first aid outfit that he always carried as every scout should do. But now the one thing to be done, to make his good escape. Harry realized, as soon as he was free, that he was not by any means out of the woods. He was still decidedly in the enemy's country, and getting out of it promised to be a difficult and perilous task. He was handicapped by his lack of knowledge of the place, and what little he did know was discouraging. He had proof that human enemies were not the only ones he had to fear, and the only way he knew that offered a chance of getting out offered, as well, the prospect of encountering the men who had pursued Dick Mercer returning. It was just as he made up his mind to this that the other scout spoke again. We can't get out the way you came in, he said. Or if we could, it's too risky. But there's another way. I've been in here since the people started putting their traps around, and I know where most of them are. Come on. Harry was glad to obey. He had no hankering for command. The thing to do was to get out as quickly as he could. And so he followed, though he had qualms when he saw that, instead of going toward the wall, they were heading straight in and toward the great gray house. They circled the woods that gave them the essential protection of darkness, and always they got further and further from the place where Dick and Harry had entered. Harry understood, of course, that there were other ways of getting out, but it took a few words to make him realize the present situation as it actually was. There's a spot on the other side that you don't really guard at all, said his companion. It's where the river runs by the place. They think no one would come that way. And I don't believe they know anything at all about what I'm going to show you. Soon Harry heard the water rushing. And then... To his surprise, his guide led him straight into a tangle of shrubbery, 
It was hard going for him, for his ankle pained him a good deal, but he managed it. And in a moment the other boy spoke, and for the first time, in a natural voice. I say, I'm glad we're here, he said heartily. Do you see? It looks like a cave, said Harry. It is, but it's more than that, too. This place is no end old, you know. It was here when they fought the War of the Roses, I've heard. And come on, I'll show you something. He led the way on into the cave, which narrowed as they went. But Harry, pointing his flashlight ahead, saw that it was not going to stop. Oh, a secret passage. I understand now, he exclaimed finally. Isn't it jolly, said the other. Can't you imagine what fun we used to have here when we played about? You see, this may have been used to bring in food in time of siege. There used to be another spur of this tunnel that ran straight into the house, but that was all let go to pot for some reason. This is all that is left, but it's enough. It runs way down under the river, and in a jiffy we'll be out in the meadows on the other side. I say, what's your name? They hadn't had time to exchange the information each naturally craved about the other before. And now, as they realized it, they both laughed. Harry told his name. Mine's Jack Young, said the other scout. I say, you don't talk like an Englishman. I'm not, explained Harry. I'm American. But I'm for England just now and we were caught here trying to find out something about the place. They came out into the open, then, where the light of the stars enabled them to see one another. Jack nodded. I got an idea of what you were after, you two, he said. The other one's English, isn't he? Dick Mercer, yes, said Harry, astonished. But how did you find out about us? Stalked you, said Jack happily. Oh, I'm no end of a scout. I followed you as soon as I caught you without your bicycles. We must have been pretty stupid to let you do it, though, said Harry, a little crestfallen. I'm glad we did, but suppose you'd been an enemy. A nice fix we'd been in. That's just what I thought about you, admitted Jack. You see, Everyone has sort of laughed at me down here, because I said there might be German spies about. I've always been suspicious of the people who took Bray Park. They didn't act the way English people do. They didn't come to church, and when the potter... I told you he was the vicar here, didn't I? Went to call. They wouldn't let him in. Just sent word they were out. Fancy treating the vicar like that, he concluded with spirit. Harry knew enough of the customs of the English countryside to understand that the new tenants of Bray Park 
could not have chosen a surer method of bringing down both dislike and suspicion upon themselves. That was a bit too thick, you know, Jack went on. So when the war started, I decided I'd keep my eyes open, especially on any strangers who came around. So there you have it. I say, you'd better let me try to make that inkle easier. You're lumping badly. That was true, and Harry submitted gladly to such ministrations as Jack knew how to offer. Cold water helped considerably. It reduced the swelling, and then Jack skillfully improvised a brace that, binding the ankle tightly, gave it a fair measure of support. Now try that, he said. See if it doesn't feel better. It certainly does, said Harry. You're quite a doctor, aren't you? Well, the next thing to do is to find where Dick is. I know where he went, to the place where we cashed our cycles and our papers. Like Dick, he was hopelessly at sea, for the moment, as to his whereabouts. And he had, moreover, to reckon with the turns and twists of the tunnel, which there had been no way of following in the utter darkness. But Jack Young, who, of course, could have found his way anywhere within five miles of them blindfolded, helped him, and they soon found that they were less than half a mile from the place. Can you come on with me, Jack? asked Harry. He felt that in his rescuer he found a new friend, and one who was going to like very well indeed, and he wanted his company. If it was possible, Yes, no one knows I am out, said Jack, frankly. The potter is like the rest of them here. He doesn't take the war seriously yet. When I said the other day that it might last long enough for me to be an old enough to go, he laughed at me. I really hope it won't, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Would you? No, I wouldn't. It's too early to tell anything about it yet, really. But if the Germans fight the way they have always done before, it's going to be a long war. They talked as they went. Though Harry's ankle was still painful, the increased speed the bandaging made possible more than made up for the time that it had required. Harry was anxious about Dick. He wanted to rejoin him as soon as possible and so it was not long before they came near to the place where the cycles had been cached. We'd better go slow, in case anyone else watched us this afternoon. We don't want to walk into a trap, said Harry. He was more upset than he had cared to admit by the discovery that he and Dick had been spied upon Jack, excellent though it had been that it was so. For what Jack had done, it was conceivable that someone else, too, might have come accomplished. All right, you go ahead, said Jack. I'll form a rear guard, do you see? Then you can't be surprised. That's a good idea, said Harry. There, see that big tree? 
that blasted one over there? I marked that. The cache is in a straight line, almost, from that, where the ground dips a little. There's a clump of bushes. There's someone there, too, said Jack. He's tugging at a cycle, as if he were trying to get ready to start it. That'll be Dick, then, said Harry, greatly relieved. All right, I'll go ahead. He went on, then, and soon he, too, saw Dick busy with the motorcycle. Won't he be glad to see me, though, he thought. Poor old Dick. I'll bet he's had a hard time. Then he called softly, and Dick turned. But it was not Dick. It was Ernest Graves. End of chapter 8, part 2. Recording by Kangaroo.